Amen. You may be seated, and thank you, Voices of Mobile. What an amazing time of worship we have. You know, Colin, we want you to know that we love you guys also, and we're thankful for you. And if I may make two or three observations, I wanted to join them on the stage and sing with them. Didn't you want to? But I was afraid I would mess up all this movement that they have. I thought if I get right in the middle of that, they're going to stumble and stutter and fall over one another. But uh, they knew where they were going and they knew what they were singing. And Colin, we, we want to say on your behalf, you, Voices of Mobile was not performing. Voices of Mobile leads us in worship and we thank you for that. And we thank you for the spirit of that. I know your parents are exceedingly proud of you, and I know we've got parents in the room, and Andrew, you can tell your mom and dad that a church alive is worth a drive from Aniana, um, but uh, um, I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that you came back again. The, the other thing I want to say, Colin, is this, um, before you leave, get with B. Haskins, and let's down, nail down a 2025 date. Uh, I hate going back and forth like we did this last year, trying to get our schedule and your schedule worked out. Um, you might be wondering why I'm preaching this morning, and after hearing them sing, I'm wondering why I'm preaching this morning also. But I want you to open your Bibles to Jude chapter 1, and I have an explicit purpose for doing this. You've got to realize my idiosyncrasies have to make all of this fit, and if we're going to make it through this book of the Bible, I've got to give this one-sentence overview, this one-sentence introduction. Now, I wish you could have been with me last Sunday after the second worship. Vonda had already gone home. She texted me and said, hey, come by and pick me up. Let's go eat lunch somewhere. So I went by the house. I picked her up. And we're heading to lunch. And she said, hey, good sermon today. And I always like it when my wife compliments the sermon. And I said, well, thank you, baby. And she goes, but what in heaven's name are you? How are you going to preach the book of Jude over six months? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, you preached two-thirds of the book today when you gave your overview. And, and she's right. I did preach two-thirds of the book last Sunday. We were at 30,000 feet. We were at 30,000 feet last Sunday. And we just, we flew over this survey of the book of Jude. And now we're down at three feet. And now we're down at three feet. And I want to work on this first phrase in verse one, this, this punchy, pithy statement he makes, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. That's all we're going to work on. And then next week we'll work on to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus, may mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. And then we'll work on verse 3 and then we'll work. Then we're going to slow down in verse 4 and then we're going to slow down in verse 5. Trust me, we got enough to say for six months on this choice book of the New Testament. Now notice, notice this first statement. He gives us his name, he gives us his position, and he tells us his relationship. His name is Jude. He gives us his position. He's a servant of Jesus Christ. And he tells us his relationship. He's a brother of James. I, I, th I think he's saying two things here. I think he's saying two things here. Number one, part one, two-part testimony. I think the first thing he's saying is that Jesus is my Savior. He's saying Jesus is my Savior. He says that he's a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, last week I told you that there are eight men in the New Testament by the name of Jude. And the Greek form of the name Jude is Judas, and there are eight names. So if we're going to figure out which Jude it is, we've got to figure out which one of those eight it is. However, he does us a favor by saying that he's a brother of James. Now he's narrowed it down to two Judases, because there are only two Judases in the New Testament associated with a James. 
Let's go to Mark, let's go to Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, you see the first Judas that's mentioned. In Luke chapter 6, and it's in verse 16, where Luke is recording, Luke is recording the names of the disciples. And he says in verse 16, and Judas, so there's one of the eight Judases, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So there are two Judases who are apostles. But notice what it says about this Judas, the son of James. The Jude we're reading says the brother of James. So Mark chapter 6 helps us with that. So go to your left to Mark chapter 6. And you look in verse 3, they're trying to figure out who this Jesus is and where he gets all this wisdom and this knowledge. And look in verse 3, it says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, there's a James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Okay, there, there's our key. This, this, this is the Judas that wrote the book of Jude. Because he claims in the book of Jude that he's the brother of Jude. He's not an apostle. He's one of the four boys that we know of that birth that Mary gave birth to. He's, he's more than likely younger than James by the listing of the names here. He doesn't become a follower of Jesus until after the resurrection. And this is the one who's written this book. Now go back to the book of Jude. It's the book just before the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why am I saying that his testimony is Jesus is my Savior? Well, this is why. If, if you're the brother of James, which he says he is, that means you're the half-brother of Jesus. And as we said in studying the book of James last year, if you're the half-brother of Jesus, you, you, you've got some inside knowledge. And both James and Jude could done a could have done one of three things with Jesus. They could have sold him. They could have denied him. Or they could have acknowledged him. And this Judas is acknowledging him. And this is what he's saying. Listen to me closely. He's saying, he's no longer my sibling. He's my savior. And he's saying, Judas, a servant of Jesus Christ. I... I I, I, I no longer walk with my half-brother. I worship my Savior. And I'm a servant of His. And I'm acknowledging, I'm acknowledging that He's Lord. If He was not Lord, He would have been the first one to step up and go, Hey, look, I, I grew up with Him. I know Him. I lived with Him. He, he's not the Savior. He could have marketed him. He could have marketed him and said, here's a copy of his birth certificate. This is a toy that he played with. And this is a robe that our dad made him. And he could have sold a book and had movie rights and made a billion dollars. But he didn't. He didn't sell Jesus. He didn't deny Jesus. He acknowledges Jesus. This is big. This is big. Second testimony. The, the second testimony that he gives is, I am his servant. He says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. I am his servant. Okay, ask a hundred people what is a Christian. And you'll get about 98 different answers. You'll probably get someone that says, well, it's someone that's asked Jesus in their heart. Or it's someone that's prayed a prayer. Or it's someone that lives a morally good life. But if you dig into the scripture and you say, what is a Christian? You'll discover that the Bible calls us all types of names. We're aliens and strangers. 
We're citizens of heaven. We're light in the midst of darkness. We're heirs of God. We're members of his body. We're sheep in his fold. We're ambassadors. We're friends. We're children. We're compared to athletes. We're compared to soldiers. We're like branches called to abide in the vine. But 124 times in the New Testament, 124 times we are designated as servants. This is significant. Look at what he's saying. He's taking a back seat to Jesus. And in addition to that, he's playing second fiddle to his brother James. He's saying, I am Jude, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, and my brother is James. Now, circle that word servant. The, the ESV tries to help us there, but, but they just don't get it. If you'll notice the footnote in the ESV, it says, uh, Greek bondservant, and then it adds, or slave. Well, if I'm writing in my Bible... I'm circling the word servant, and I'm drawing a line all the way down to that footnote, slave, and I'm circling on slave because that's what the word is. Slave sounds a lot different than servant, doesn't it? You want to know why? Servants are hired. Slaves are owned. And servants do labor for a master while slaves are owned by a master. And I, and I know that's an incorrigible term. And I know that it brings a, a, a lot of heart hurt to us when we hear that term slave because of our past as a nation and also because of Western civilization. But here's the good news. When the Bible speaks of the word slave, it does not speak of the word slave in the way we do in America. And this is someone who has been bought and purchased and redeemed and they are owned by the master. And so Jude, Jude, Jude is saying, I'm not his hired hand. I'm not an employee. He bought me, he owns me, and I'm his. And his testimony, his testimony is that I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that, that introduction that Jude gives, a servant of Jesus Christ, is used five other times in the New Testament. Paul uses it three times. In the book of Romans, in the book of Philippians, in the book of Titus, when he introduces himself as a servant of Christ. James, his brother, introduces himself as a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, his contemporary, we discovered that last week, says, I'm a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Two more thoughts and I'm done. So I'm reading through my Bible this week, as you're doing so. And... Um, it took me a while to figure out how to read this. Did it take anyone else a while? By the way, that little man on the front of the Bible, he's the key. That's the key. You start where he is and you stop where he is, right? And the little daily insert, the little daily devotion is not where you start and stop. It took me two days to figure that out. I'm slow, but it took me a while. I called Ray Pear and Ray had it figured out and he told me what to do. And I like the little inserts that they give, the little thoughts, this was really, really, really good the other day. On page 32, remember we're reading through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the little insert on Isaac, the little insert on Isaac just really helped me. 
List everything you know about the life of Isaac. Then compare it with the following paragraph. Isaac was Abraham's son, Rebekah's husband, and Jacob and Esau's father. He imitated his father and was tricked by his son. He dug a few wells. He generally did what God told him to do without much fanfare. How would you like your epitaph to read, he generally did what God told him to do without much fanfare? There's not much glamour and quiet faithfulness, but as far as God is concerned, it's more important than just about anything else. Maybe that's one reason Isaac gets equal billing with his father and son every time God identifies himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Last paragraph. Has the Lord assigned you a supporting role that escapes the notice of the crowd? Not everyone can function without applause, but apparently God knows that you can by his grace. Thank God for the privilege of serving him and ask him for that same steadfastness of spirit. We need, we need to take a back seat to Jesus. We're his second fiddle. He's primary. Yesterday morning, I'm making note in my journal. And when you hear me say, the Lord spoke to me, please, we've heard this 10,000 times. I'm not saying he spoke to me in an audible voice. He just made this impression on me. I'm writing about the current events of the week, and I'm writing about everything that happens. And I'm writing about that guy down in Tuscaloosa that announced his retirement a few days ago. And then this is what I wrote. I thought, isn't it interesting? He announced his retirement on Wednesday, and he was replaced on Friday. And then the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged my pen and said, and one day you'll be replaced. And this is why. We're all replaceable. There's only one who's irreplaceable. And we're servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me, please. Father, I ask you to help us. I ask you to Use this great book of the New Testament to minister to us, to teach us, to give us instruction, and to enable us to grow 